Boy, what a wonderful phrase, right? Open your Bibles. Isn't it wonderful to have a Bible? Boy, I hope you don't take that for granted this morning. What a precious, precious book. How great is your joy? How, how great is it? Ready? How great is your joy? Say amen. amen. That's not very great. How great is your joy? Amen. Hey, that's a little better. Amen. And why? Well, because we know the precious truth that this book contains. Open your Bibles to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. We're going to talk about the reason our, our joy is so great this morning as we look at our memory verses in John chapter 10. And we meditate together this morning on Jesus, our good shepherd, who guides us every step of the way in life if we're his child. We can trust him to do that. So we're going to take some time this morning to review our memory verses. Um, some of you might remember some of these pictures from the slide. We did this back in 2012, actually. It's been around for a little bit. But before we get into our memory verses, I think it would be beneficial if we have a little background and if we would understand just why Jesus spoke these precious words in John chapter 10 that have been such an encouragement to so many of us. See, to get some of that background information, we've got to have to go into chapter 9. Chapter 9 and chapter 10 go together. They happened in the same time frame. So I have a couple questions for you, and it's an open book test. Do you like those? Those open book exams? I always like those in school. You know, give me an open book test. If I can find my way around the chapters, I could find the answers, and that, that helped a little bit. So we have an open book test this morning. Don't be, don't be afraid of the word test. It's a good thing. We're told, do you know we're told to study the word of God? Study the word of God to know it. And if you don't, want, if you don't like that phrase, study, uh, student, how about treasure hunter? You want to be a treasure hunter this morning? Because I tell you what, when you hold the Bible in your hand, you contain the greatest treasure that man can hold in his hands, in the word of God. And that's what we need to look like. So we can be students, we can be treasure hunters as we go into the book of John this morning. So, in John chapter 9, Jesus did a miracle. You know what a miracle is, right? Well, a miracle is something that only Jesus could do. Now, go ahead and glance in John chapter 9. Some of your Bibles, I know mine does, will have some headings. And you can tell me very quickly... What miracle did Jesus perform in John chapter 9? Who knows? Don't be bashful. He made a blind man see. This man was blind his entire life. The Bible tells us he was blind from his birth. That's right. He restored the sight of a blind man. And... You know what you would think? You would think that this would make, well, the religious, religious, bleh, the religious leaders of the day, you know, happy to know that Jesus was in their midst and he came and he's working these miracles and this blind man was healed. Well, 
Let's get a little bit more into John chapter 9. So you see, they brought him to the Pharisees, his neighbors, the people around him, asking him some questions. How'd this happen? How can you see now? And they took him to the Pharisees. Pharisees, well, they had a problem. I have another question for you. If I were to ask you, who is Jesus? Could you tell me who he is? Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Who knows? I asked Justice this morning before I left, who is Jesus? You know what he told me? He told me something these Pharisees just didn't understand. He said three words. Jesus is God. That's exactly right. Jesus is God. But these Pharisees had a problem. They didn't understand that. They didn't believe that. They didn't believe the precious promise that we see recorded in what we call the Christmas story. And we go back to Luke chapter 1 where Mary is told she will have a child. She will name him Jesus because he will deliver his people from sin and he will be called Emmanuel. Do you know what Emmanuel means? God with us. That's who Jesus was and that's who he is. God with us. And the Pharisees, they just didn't want to believe that. You know, they needed to see the truth about Jesus. And Jesus tries over and over and over again to help them understand, to try to teach them this precious truth that he is God. So, as we get ready to go into John chapter 10, you know, Jesus has this interaction with the blind man. He heals him. And then he's talking to the blind man later on. He seeks him out. And some of the Pharisees are in the mist. And they hear this conversation that he has with him, with the blind man. Verse number, chapter 9, verse 37. Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. Talking about you know, Byman wanted to know who done this work. Where is he at? I want to find him. I want to talk to him. I want to know who he is. I want, I want to worship him because he understood. If you read back in chapter 9, the only way this could be done is if God did it. It's a miracle. And he asked the Pharisees, has anyone ever did what this man done? And it can't be done, he said, except God do the work. And you know what? That didn't make the Pharisees very happy. In fact, the Pharisees had conspired already before they even finished their conversation with the blind man and mom and dad, his mom and dad knew this. You see, they had already made it clear that if any man professed Jesus to be God, to be the Christ, they're going to kick them out of the synagogue. The Pharisees didn't want anything to do with anyone who believed that. And that's exactly what happened to the blind man. He told them, God, God, God's the only one that could do this. He did it, and they threw him, they cast him out of the synagogue. But Jesus sought him out. He's having this conversation with him. And the Pharisees, let's read verse 39. And Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see. 
and that they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If you were blind, you should have no sin. But now you say, We see. Therefore, your sin remaineth. The problem with the Pharisees is they did not understand the truth of who Jesus Christ was. And because of that, they were leading people astray. And because of that, they were messing out on the joy and the blessing that can only come through knowing Jesus Christ as the Savior, as God. And so in response to that, are we blind also? Jesus is going to tell the Pharisees a story. Jesus is an amazing storyteller. He knows how to take everyday life events and use those to teach a heavenly meaning, spiritual truth, a very important truth that he wanted all people to understand if they, show, if they so choose to do so. And so are we blind also. And so the story begins in John chapter 10, verse number 1. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him. For they know his voice, and a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they didn't understand. Oh, they understood the relationship that a shepherd had with the sheep and, and all that, but what has that got to do with anything? They really didn't understand how this had anything to do with the question, are we blind also? Jesus, what are you trying to tell us? We don't understand. So then now, as we continue on, Jesus is going to explain it to them so they can understand. And we find out later on, I'm not going to tell you ahead of the story yet, but they do understand. And their response is not good. But they will get it. So Jesus is going to now explain to them what this parable means. Verse number 7, Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. Jesus is the door. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. And that brings us to our first memory verse, number 10. So Jesus is trying to help the Pharisees understand just who he is. The Pharisees... Well, they could not see truth. They had their own perception. They had their own idea about God and about Jesus. And well, sir, they told the blind man, 
The man who you're saying healed you is not, not the one. He's a sinner. And they were offended by the idea that the man would even proclaim Jesus to be God. That upset them. But Jesus wants them to understand, so now he's explaining to them. And as he begins to explain to them, we come to chapter 10, verse number 10. And Jesus says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. The thief. So now pretend for a moment you're a sheep. Now, I've watched documentaries on wolves, and I mean, they're beautiful animals, they're intelligent, and I've enjoyed those documentaries and learning about wolves, uh, but to be honest, if I were a sheep, I'd probably have a different perspective, especially if I were a sheep out in a pasture and there's a wolf nearby, and I knew he was there. So if there's a wolf nearby in the pasture, and I'm a sheep... Do you think I'm going to say, yeehaw, there's a wolf. Come on over, buddy. Am I going to do that? Why not? Can a sheep be a friend with a wolf? Not in nature. Usually doesn't work, does it? Why? Well, if the wolf is in the area, you know what? He's probably hungry. Well, if the wolf's hungry, you know what a wolf eats? A few things. One of those being a sheep. So if you're pretending you're a sheep right now, you're probably a little bit scared. Right? Well, that's okay. The sheep should be a little scared. But here is this wolf, a thief. And what is the intent of that wolf? Well, certainly, just as it says in verse number 10, to steal, to kill, to destroy now, I know in nature the wolf's hungry and he's got to eat. I get that. But we're pretending to be the sheep, and Jesus is trying to help the Pharisees understand a point. I'm the shepherd, Jesus is telling them. All that came before me, well, they were like this. A thief. A wolf. And so when we, as a sheep, think about a wolf, well, we know that wolf's up to no good. We know that wolf is up to no good. And so... The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. And Jesus warns us in scriptures on many occasions to be wary of wolves in our midst. In fact, Jesus teaching us about those who are teachers speaking lies. He warns us and he tells us to be wary of those who they come in as wolves in sheep clothing. So you look at them and you can't tell. They look like a sheep. But inside they're as ravening wolves. Their intent is to do harm. Is to destroy only thinking of themselves. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 12, we learn of another enemy, not just those who teach, teach us lies. We have those types, people, false teachers, and of course the Pharisees, you see, the Pharisees 
certainly would be in that group. They're leading the people astray. Jesus has some very strong language about the Pharisees and Sadducees and, and other portions of scriptures. Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. He said, you're leading people away from God rather than to God. They're teaching lies because they don't understand the truth. In Ephesians chapter 4, when we think about those who teach lies, teach false truths for the wrong reason, Jesus is told by the Apostle Paul, don't be like a wave. Have you ever seen a wave? It just kind of gets tossed back and forth. and Well, it goes wherever the wind takes it. The Apostle Paul says, when it comes to doctrine to teaching don't be like that wave tossed to and fro and just following every wind of doctrine and there are people like that today who are out there and they hear that oh that's a good idea oh you want to believe that that's okay and yeah that's okay too and hey whatever it's all good no it's not all good Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life no man cometh to the father but by me Jesus is the truth don't be like a wave tossed to and fro. We've got to know what we believe. We've got to stand firm in our faith. We've got to know this precious book. We've got to be students of the word. We need to be treasure hunters so that we can stand firm in the truth, God's word. So we have to be weary of those who teach lies. But we have to be weary of another enemy mentioned in Ephesians chapter 6. Satan. Satan. Spiritual wickedness. Wickedness. How do we stand against Satan? Well, in Ephesians 6, we're told God gives us everything we need to stand against the wiles of the devil, the one who wants to deceive us, lead us astray, cause us hurt. God supplies all we need. Jesus warns Peter and the other disciples in Luke chapter 22, verse 31. He says, Satan desires to sift you like wheat. He's addressing all the disciples. Satan desires to sift you like wheat. Not only did he, does Satan desire, did Satan desire to sift them like wheat, but he desires to do the same to you and I, to destroy our testimony for God, to lead us astray, to get us to waver in our faith, to follow anyone, anything other than God, to not understand the truth. Yes, we have an enemy in Satan. We have an enemy in those who would teach things that are not true. And how can we combat that? How can we know? How can we stand firm against what's false? By knowing what's true. We've got to know this book. I heard, a, heard that those people who study counterfeit money, well, they don't really study counterfeit money. They study the real money so they can spot a counterfeit when they see that. And that's how you and I need to be when it comes to the word of God. We need to understand God's truth so that Satan can't defeat us, so that those who would desire to teach us 
things that are not true, we can stand up against them and we can know that's not right and not be led astray. We have enemies. Well, it may not be a physical wolf, but we have enemies in the world and we need to know that. And we need to have a plan and we need to remember and realize that we need God's help every moment of every day to stand against these enemies and we need his word, his precious word. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. You know, Jesus is not in any way self-motivated. He's motivated for others. His desire is to do what you and I need. And as we think about Jesus Christ providing for us, look at that verse. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. It tells us why Jesus came. Did he come for himself? No. He came for you and for me so that we could have life. So that we could have life with him for all eternity. Philippians chapter 2, verses 4 through 8. I'm going to turn there and read that. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of of the cross. The Apostle Paul is encouraging us to not be selfish individuals, to think about others, to be like Jesus. That's who we want to be like. We want to be like Jesus. Let that mind be in us, the mind of Christ, who looked to the needs of others. Why did Jesus come? He came, as we learned this morning in the Christmas songs we sang, to die on the cross to pay the price for our sins so that we could be with him for all eternity. And our joy starts as soon as we become a child of God. He gives us abundant life now and for all eternity. We can trust Jesus as the good shepherd to give us all that we need. Jesus is the good shepherd. And you know what? Jesus is willing to do whatever is needed to draw us to him. You know, Jesus knew that one day, in fact, it was, pre, it was predetermined before the foundation of the world was laid, we're told. The plan was in place. God understood what, what would happen, what he would do in the person of Jesus Christ to pay the price for our sins. 
He knew that. He would give his life for us. He's the kind of shepherd who would leave the 99 to find the one who needs him. And as I think about that, I think about myself. You know, I was in a very scary place, but he sought me out and he rescued me. He rescued me from the pain, from the sorrow of sin. How about you? Have you been rescued by Jesus this morning? Don't reject his hand. He's reaching out for you. He's calling for you. Go to him. I'm so glad he sought me out and saved me. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. In contrast, we have this person we learn about, the hireling. Verse number 11 or 12, but he that is in hireling and not the shepherd who is on the sheep or not seeth the wolf coming. And what's he do? Well, he leaveth. He leaveth the sheep and fleeth and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling doesn't have the mind of Christ. He doesn't care about the needs of the others. You know, as we think back on Israel and Judah, certainly they had their share of leaders who acted like a hireling. False prophets, selfish kings, even the religious leaders of Jesus' day. And there are people all around us today who are like in hireling. People who pretend to care but once they have what they want or when trouble comes, they do what this guy's doing. They run away. They don't really care about others. They only care about themselves. And when you're interacting with someone like that, it can be very confusing. The hireling fleeth, verse 13, because he's in hireling and careth not for the sheep. The wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he's in hireling and careth not for the sheep. Now, the hireling's supposed to be keeping the sheep safe, but he doesn't care, and so he leaves. And that makes the sheep vulnerable, and they scatter, and they don't know what to do. They're, well, they're acting like sheep who don't have a shepherd. And you know what that does? It makes it very easy for the wolf to select his prey. To attack. But Jesus isn't like that. Jesus is not a hireling. Jesus is a good shepherd. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep, and am known of mine. Jesus will not leave us. In fact, he'll stay. Stay by our side, as we sang in the hymn this morning. Not only till morning, but throughout the day. And we need to choose to stay close to him. Hebrews 13, 5 through 6. 
We're told that Jesus will never leave us nor forsake us. That's good news. But it goes on in verse number 6 to say that we can say, we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Isn't that amazing? The Lord is my helper. I can boldly say that. I can know with confidence Jesus isn't going to leave me. Jesus doesn't act like a hireling. He's always there for me. We need to choose to stay close to him. In 2 Peter verse number, or chapter 1, verse number 9, we're given a warning. We're told to add to our faith. You know, seek out God, study his word, walk with him, pray, have the fruits of the spirit in our lives. But we're given a warning. If we're not living a life for God, if we're not following the good shepherd and we're doing things our own way or we're being led astray by one of these false teachers, you know what's going to happen? We're told in, in Second Peter there that we'll become blind. We'll forget. We'll forget about our wonderful good shepherd who wants to lead us into the good pasture. Give us the best. That's a stern warning. We need to make sure that we're following, trusting, allowing the good shepherd to give to us all that we need. Jesus is the good shepherd. Our, our relationship with Jesus will grow as we follow him. But when we do not follow him, we can forget about his great love, about his care. And when we do that, you know where we end up? We end up on a path that leads to destruction. Are you really sincerely trusting Jesus with every area of your life this morning? Are you allowing the good shepherd to provide for you all, all that you need? Do you love the good shepherd, Jesus, this morning? He certainly loves you. Our relationship with Jesus needs to grow. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Here we see Jesus in Luke chapter 9 at the Mount of Transfiguration. And he's doing something quite amazing. He's talking to, to two people. You know who he's talking to? Moses and Elijah. You see, God is not the God of the dead. God is the God of the living. And God has power over death and the grave. And Peter, James, and John were there on that mountain. And boy, this is one of those times when I'm reading my Bible and I just say, man, I wish I could have been there. Have you ever done that? Or am I just strange? I don't think so. I think we're all strange. Okay, I'm probably more strange. But anyway, I would have really liked to have been there and seen this 
Here's Peter, James, and John, and they're there, and Jesus is talking to, to Moses and to Elijah. And if you read John, Luke chapter 9, you find out what they're talking about is what's about to happen about Jesus getting ready to die. You see, you think about Moses and you think about how he led the people out of bondage in Egypt, don't you? Well, Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection, you know what he led me from? The bondage of sin. And they were up there and they were talking about that event that was about to take place. And Peter got pretty excited and he wanted to build some tabernacles or something. But then all of a sudden, a great cloud overshadowed them. And in the midst of that cloud, they heard a voice. And the voice said, this is my beloved son. Hear him. That was God. God speaking in the midst of that cloud. Oh, wouldn't it have been something to have been there? I think it would have been. But here is Jesus talking about his death with Moses and Elijah. And here is God confirming, this is my son. Hear him, my beloved son. Jesus and the Father are one. Jesus knows the Father. The Father knows him. The plan was for him to lay down his life for the sheep. And that event was coming. It was coming. And Jesus will willingly pay the price. Verse 16, and other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. The gift of salvation is for all. It's for the Jews. It's for you and me. It's for everyone who is willing to receive that precious gift that Jesus offers gift made possible by his death, burial, and resurrection. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 13, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. We're drawn close to God. A relationship that was destroyed, ruined, is made whole. And now... I have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and I can go to God and he hears me and I can boldly say that he's my helper and I can follow the good shepherd who will give to me everything that I need in this life and for all eternity. For all eternity. We can trust the good shepherd. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. 
Jesus is the great shepherd, the one great shepherd, the only one who can gather us together. Through him is the only way. In Revelation 5, 9, we read, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nations. God drawing all people onto him. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. Here we see Jesus in the garden, suffering as he prayed, praying for his disciples, praying for you, for me. We see his unity in God, willing to do God's will, whatever God would have him to do willingly for you, for me. He went to be crucified. No man taketh from me. But I lay it down of myself. We're told in Matthew chapter 26, he could have called 12 legions of angels. He stayed on the cross. He cried, it is finished. The payment was complete for my sin, for your sin, for the sins of all mankind. You know, there were three hanging on the cross that day, weren't there? One on his left, one on his right. The one on the left, the one on the right, they were hanging on the cross for crimes they had committed. You know why Jesus was hanging on the cross? For crimes that you committed, that I committed. For you, for me. That's why he stayed there. That's why he didn't call 12 legions of angels. He loved me and wanted to pay the price for my sins. And he did. He died. But the story doesn't end there. The story doesn't end there. I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. No, his death was not the end of the story. Up from the grave he rose. And uh, it was op open, that grave. You know, Jesus didn't have to really move that rock for him to get out. But it was open so that others could go in and see that Jesus did exactly what he said he would do. No, the grave could not hold him. He was died. He was buried. And on the third day, he rose again. He did exactly as he said he would. And he will continue to do exactly what he said he would do. We can trust the good shepherd. We can trust his precious word, his promises. If he says he'll never leave us, then he never will. If he says he's coming again to take us home, then he is. If he said there's a, if he said there's a place prepared for me in heaven, then there is. I can trust the good shepherd. 
he will do exactly as he said. Are we trusting the good shepherd this morning to lead us, to guide us in every area of our life? Jesus said, I am come that they may have life and that they might have it more abundantly. We can follow Jesus and we can proclaim how great our joy, how great our joy. Or we can go another way, the path that we think is right. We're warned about that throughout scriptures and multiple times in Proverbs. There is a way which seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof. What's the end thereof is the way of death, destruction, ruin. Some of you have a wonderful testimony. Your testimony is this I've always known the Good Shepherd. From the time I was a little child, I accepted the Good Shepherd and I've always followed him. He didn't have to save me from some horrible lifestyle or anything like that because I grew up in a Christian home. I've always known that God loves me and I've always loved him. And you know what? If that's your testimony, that's the best one. That's the greatest testimony, and that's the testimony that every single parent here this morning wants for their child, to walk with God and to always know him. But be warned, be careful. We do have enemies out there who want to lead us astray. We need to know. We need to know his word. We need to know the good shepherd. We need to trust him with every area of our life. Is there any area of your life at all that you have not given to God? Is there anything you're not willing to submit to the good shepherd? Think about who he is this morning. Think about what he has done for you. Think about what he has provided for you. To take anything from anywhere else other than the Good Shepherd, to trust anything or anyone else is to miss out on the blessing of God. Follow the Good Shepherd this morning. We have good news. Tell someone else about the Good Shepherd. Let them see the difference he's making in your life. And then when you have the opportunity, let them know they too can walk with the Good Shepherd. Let's pray, Heavenly Father. Thank you so much for your love. Thank you for this portion of scriptures. We understand this morning as you were proclaiming this wonderful portion of scriptures that you were trying to teach the Pharisees a very important truth.
their only hope was to accept you as the only one who could give eternal life. They understood what you were saying. We find out later they rejected that truth. In fact, they picked up stones and wanted to stone you. Help us this morning as your children to not reject you in any way. Help us to meditate on your great love and care for us and to remember that we can trust you with every area of our life, to remember that you will never leave us nor forsake us, to remember that you have laid out a path for our lives and you will lead us in that path. Help us, Lord, to be willing to follow you. Wherever you lead, I'll go. I pray that that is truly the prayer of our hearts this morning, and I think especially the little ones here in the room. This morning there may be some who are thinking about giving their lives to you, and I pray especially for them and ask that they be willing today to submit to your calling to give their lives to you. I pray for each parent in the room this morning. We need to be good examples. We need to understand that you've given to us children to lead, to guide into your way. And help us as parents to do all we can to make sure our children are following you and to want above all else for them the best that you would have for them. Help each of us this morning to be willing to do whatever it is you would ask us to do. You are our good shepherd. Help us to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.